You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on a Thursday afternoon on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. 31 minutes after the hour, coming to you a little later than normal as the Houston Astros take down the Texas Rangers 7-3 this afternoon. Got a great show today. We'll talk about that. We'll do a lot of Cajuns talk. Jay Walker at 5 o'clock. JT Crabtree, the voice of the South Alabama Jags at 5.30. But before we get to that, there's there's something that I, I got to get off my chest. You know, o- over the last you know five and a half six months, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. You know, doing this show, but I have a regret about my career up until this point. So, my biggest regret. It's not that I didn't know who Jeff Blake was or that I consistently cursed every local sports team from the Cajuns to the Pelicans and then on or that I allegedly took the side of Deshaun Watson last week. And it definitely isn't whiffing at a home run derby or tripping over a potato sack. So then you're probably asking, what is my biggest regret? My biggest regret so far of my career is that I am not able to get off of work at 4 o'clock every afternoon and ride home while listening to the best sports takes in southwest Louisiana from both Matt Miguez and James Mesh. Sure, I could go listen to the show after on 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, but I just can't imagine the treat that it is for you to be able to listen to James and I every day. It, it, it has to be something similar to watching Joe Burrow during the 2019 season, but you're standing on the sidelines. Like it, it, It's truly a sight to behold. So that's my biggest regret so far in, in, in my career, is, is that I can't be you listening to me. Because I know that that's incredible. And scene. Nailed it. Absolutely beautiful. James, what's up, buddy? That might have been a 10 out of 10. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Okay, so if you if you don't get the joke, Antonio Brown released a statement today. And he said, my biggest regret of my career doesn't involve calling my GM a blank or showing up to Raiders camp late in a hot air balloon with frozen feet. Or throwing rocks at a UPS driver. And it definitely doesn't involve taking my shirt off and doing a victory lap around the Jet Stadium mid-game while throwing up deuces. My biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me, Antonio Brown, play a game live. Sure, I could watch the game afterwards, but I can't imagine what that was like for you all to see something like that. Like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at Red Rocks. I have one question. 
How stupid can you be? Yes, Antonio Brown was a fantastic receiver when he stayed out of his own way. Because that's, that's the thing here, James. Nobody derailed Antonio Brown's career. Nobody sat there and said, oh, Antonio, we're not going to give you a chance. Antonio Brown did all of this to himself. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. It just hasn't been the same since that Vontez Perfect hit. Nope. Has not. Is, is there traces of CTE? 100%. We won't know until he dies, but 100%. But the fact... And, and you see, what, what bugs me the most about this is not that he said it. What bugs me the most is that he took the time to think about it. He took the time, and probably with a a PR person, but still, he took the time to sit there and go, okay, what moments in my career would I probably regret but don't? Like, you've got to be kidding me. Funny enough, Red Rocks is also trending. Of course it is. It's Red Rocks. (laughs) But it it says Red Rocks along with Antonio Brown. <laughs> right. I mean that that's that's a life goal of a lot of people is to go see literally anything at Red Rocks. I would go listen to a political campaign address at Red Rocks. That sounds absolutely terrible, but it's at Red Rocks. So But again, just back to the point, this is just another saga of Antonio Brown being Antonio Brown. Call in on the game hotline 706-0111 and here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Breaking news out of Baton Rouge, according to Brody Miller, LSU safety Jordan Tolls has entered the transfer portal. He was a four-star safety that came to Baton Rouge highly touted, but never quite fit in in Baton Rouge. The Athletic has learned that, once again, Jordan Tolls has entered the transfer portal out of Baton Rouge couple other top stories of the day. Again, the Astros taking down the Rangers 7-3. to We're also going to get into the fact that the NBA has retired their first number league-wide. We'll get into that here in a second. Let's go to the hotline. James is calling in. James, what's up? Hey, man, I wanted to uh, chime in on Antonio Brown. Not that anybody could add anything that would improve that story. But uh, I've always been a huge Saints fan my whole life, never rooted for another team. But I've always respected Mike Tomlin. I, I like the way he carries himself, great coach. And in retrospect, that clown show he was holding together with Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger and all that. And I can imagine what happened behind the scenes, and you never knew how crazy Antonio Brown was until he left there. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. And you, you also got to throw in the, the TikTok king and Juju Smith-Schuster. Right, right. Yeah. All right, that's all I got, man. You guys have a good day. Uh, glad to hear, hear, hear you guys back on. Appreciate you, man. So yeah, you know it's it's one of those it's one of those things where he dealt with you know three or four personalities at one time. Can't forget Chase Claypool, <laughs> the top three receiver in the league. Also, Le'Veon Bell. Oh God, yeah. The, I mean, <laughs> Mike Tomlin's coaching resume is just getting better and better. He might deserve a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> he might. You're not wrong. You are not wrong. Oh man. Okay, here's another thing. We'll, we'll get to the Bill Russell news. But here's another thing while we're on the subject of football. Guys, you, you heard it here. For, Tom Brady's retiring. It's happening. That's his thing, not mine. That, that Tom is, Brady's retiring. Matt can have that one. I, I am on the opposite side. To me, that's an overreaction. Tom Brady has announced that he is stepping away from training camp until after their preseason game with the Titans on August 20th. Now, I will agree. Tom Brady does not need training camp. I agree 100%. The 45-year-old GOAT is not playing in the preseason. And I agree that he's not, 100%. So him stepping away for two weeks while they do their their two two of their preseason games. But Brady has never stepped away, ever. Okay, There's, and he retired right after the season, and then and, came back a month later. So you're saying he's gonna he's gonna retire again within the last six months? Brett Favre did it. That was over was that not over a span of three years where he retired three times, or four? Well, yeah, four. Once, four. A, once a year. Oh, well, he, he played for the Vikings for two years. For two years, so he he retired three times in four years, but. He he left he left Green Bay retired a year later comes back plays for the Jets retires again at the end of the season regardless Brady loses Ryan Jensen likely for the season then Jensen's backup comes in and he gets hurt too Brady's sitting there going man I'm forty five. I need somebody that's going to be able to stay healthy and protect me. Now, I know what you're thinking. The center's one person on the line and probably doesn't protect the quarterback a whole lot anyway. And I would I would somewhat agree with you. However, the way things are happening in Tampa, because look at it this way. You can't tell me that if Tom Brady didn't come back, Bruce Arians wouldn't have left. Because I find it very interesting how Brady retired or, or unretired, came back, and not even two days later, Bruce Arians retires? There was a correlation there. Oh, we knew neither of them really liked each other. They just had to tolerate each other. So now Brady's sitting there going, I'm 45. My players are getting hurt in front of me. Maybe I need to rethink a thing or two. And that's exactly what's happening here. Guys don't just step away from camp for personal, to deal with some personal things. 
There have already been a bunch of players that have done that so far. We saw Tyron Matthew do it recently. But that was an actual family emergency. There has been no talk of a Calvin emergency. Really, Calvin really took off most of the season last year for personal reasons. But he's not 45. Okay. But, that, but that's my point. But Tom, Tom, Tom sets and overall performance it, it hasn't taken a huge decline so it's like if if you still got a lot of juice left in you why would you quit i don't care if your center is gone you still got four fifths is the center the the smartest of the five more likely than not yes but you still got a lot of good weapons and the team's still overall good and you still have a good chance of winning the division again he may very well come back i'm not saying he's not but him stepping away to deal with some personal things. He's considering retirement again. I mean, again, he's 45. He's been hurt already. His linemen are getting hurt. He doesn't know how much longer he's going to do this. Clearly, he doesn't know because he's already retired once. I think that there's more to this than what's being discussed. So just letting you know, that's something to to keep an eye on over over the next couple of days with, with this Tom Brady story. Poll question of the day. The Field of Dreams game is tonight between the Cubs and the Reds. So we ask you, what is your favorite Field of Dreams quote? Is it, if you build it, they will come? Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. Hey, Dad, want to have a catch? Or is it other? Is there something else in Field of Dreams? that you think is the best quote from that movie. Facebook and Twitter, if you want to get in on that action. Once again, at 5 o'clock, Jay Walker will be joining us for Cajun's Corner. We'll get his insight after a full week of Cajun's Camp. And then at 5.30, JT Crabtree, the radio voice of the South Alabama Jaguars, will join us to do yet another opponent preview for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Also, some news to look at from Tigers Camp. Garrett Nussmeyer has a grade one ankle sprain. According to Brian Kelly, it's just a minor thing. He was limited today, but will be back taking seven on seven reps either tomorrow or Saturday. Something to watch. Because I, I saw multiple tweets today saying that Jaden Daniels was taking exclusively the first team reps. Could that have something to do with the fact that Nussmeyer was out? Maybe. But Miles Brennan working only with the twos is intriguing. And that's something to watch over the next three weeks until the season starts. I mean, a, a guy that you think could be the starter doesn't just work with the twos the whole day. That's not how that works. Yeah, he's got no shot. If he didn't take a single snap with the first team, he is not going to be the starting quarterback. He has been cemented as the number three. Yeah, that that would not be 
how that works. It's a two-man race at this point. And I I still believe it's going to be Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels fits more of what Brian Kelly wants to do. The offensive style that Brian Kelly wants to run, Jaden Daniels fits it better. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and of course, you know, training camp, there's always going to, especially when you get into joint practices, there's always going to be a fight, right? Broncos and the Cowboys, team fight today. Love training camp. Which, Cowboys training camp, I, I, I don't understand it. I, I get wanting to go out of town, maybe to some cooler weather. Like, I wasn't completely opposed to that year or two where the Saints went up to West Virginia. Wasn't a terrible idea. Cooler weather, you know, team bonding. There's there's reasons to... Cowboys going to Oxnard, California after building a billion-dollar training facility just makes no sense to me. Because one of the reasons that you would get away is cooler weather. Is it much cooler in Southern California than it is in Texas? Might be a little less humid. But is it really that much different? And then secondly, team bonding. You're putting them in L.A. You're asking for trouble. Not to mention that it costs millions of dollars to pull that off each and every year. And what happens? The Cowboys still suck. I mean, James... Jerry's got money to piss. And, and that's fine. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to tell a man how to spend his money. But you would think that after they they've been they've been doing this for a long time now. Oh, it I, yeah, it's every season. You would think that after, you know, a stretch of them doing this cuz athletes and team owners and gen- very superstitious. Yes. Very superstitious people. Fans are very superstitious. You would think after a stretch of doing this. It's like, maybe we need to change something up. You would think. No. But no, let's keep going to Oxnard. Let's keep going out to Cali. Let's keep going 12-5, and five, barely winning our crud division, and losing in the divisional round to a subpar team. Let's just keep doing it. We'll take a timeout right here. Keep going. No timeout. Okay. Producer saying no timeout. So we're just going to keep rolling with it. But again, you know, going back to the superstition thing, change it up. I don't know. Host training camp at your facility and see what happens. Maybe. Might. I, I would laugh if Dallas hosted their facilities or hosted training camp at their own facility. And won a Super Bowl. Absolutely. James, I already know who's on the phone. 
Let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. What's up, Martin? Okay, so when you the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, which oh. they will always be. Oh, I'm going to stop you right there. America's team, because no matter how bad we are or how good we are, America that's, just keeps talking about it. That's a crutch, but continue. But if we want to practice in Alaska, we'll practice in Alaska because, you know, our owner got all the money in the world. But too bad you can't buy a Super Bowl with that. But that's a different subject for a different day because that's the only way we're going to win when I agree with you with that. Nah. I like the fact that they're practicing in Los Angeles. That's fine because that gives those fans over there a real team to watch because uh, their Rams ain't ain't winning those back-to-back Super Bowls. And the Chargers are definitely not winning the Super Bowl, and the Chargers are definitely not getting Sean Payton because he's going home, he's going to Dallas. Now, Flick don't want to believe me because he says, no, Dallas is not home. Illinois is. And this is my response to him. Home, like I tell everyone, home is where your heart is. Sean Payton's heart is in Dallas, in Big D. Uh, The only place... I disagree completely, but continue. The only place other that I would love, love, love to see my Dallas Cowboys practice is in Metairie, Louisiana. That way it gives all y'all Louisiana people a real team to watch. Practice. And then we'll go into the playoffs and we'll lose the first round of the playoffs like we always do. But we're going to get Sean Payton next year. Um, so going to win a Super Bowl. And then I found out that also Kevin Foote used to be a uh, Dallas Cowboy fan when he was a little foot. So we're going to, like I told I don't know if y'all are listening to the show this morning, we'll trade Zeke Elliott for Sean Payton, Give y'all, maybe give y'all a six-round pick for uh, Kevin Switz and get him back on the, the Cowboys uh, fan club, you know. But uh, I want to hear your, your your comments about what I said, that, if you don't mind. So you're absolutely right that the Cowboys could go practice in Alaska, and they might want to look at that because it might work out better for them than California has. Um, second, Sean Payton is not going to Dallas. He is so going to the Chargers. <laughs> going to Dallas. He's going back to where, where he come from. Dallas Cowboy. He's going to be the next day coach. We're going to get that garbage uh, Mike McCarthy out of there. E- egos, egos upon egos or a young quarterback willing to learn? Hmm. Well, Dak Prescott's willing to learn. He's one of the most humble players in the league. So, just think how good. Just how think how good Dak Prescott can be under Sean Tate. He'd be amazing. 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 He'd be top three quarterback in the league. You're, you're going to need an offensive line first. I mean, look how good Joe Burrow did, and he didn't have an offensive line. I mean, I mean that that's – I mean, you don't always need an offensive line, but we need to get rid of that running back. I mean, so we'll trade y'all. To be it. But Sean Payton and uh, – Y'all can sit back and watch us win Super Bowls after that. What would be the point but, of uh, having Kamara and Elliott at the same time? Well, like, like I, I have to agree with what Flick was saying this morning. There's no such thing as a starting running back these days because most 
that lets you the Tennessee Titans or the uh, Indianapolis Colts because that's not or, days, but or the, or the New Orleans Saints. Wait, say that again. Or the New Orleans Saints. Or the New Orleans. Well, yeah, <laughs> because they use a one running back system. But you don't know where Kamara's punishment is going to come down. So. I mean, just think if I had Kamara and CLA, I mean, y'all wouldn't lose a beat, you know. Do I get it's to shut off? Do I get to shut off uh, cap space? Like, do I just like get to shut that off like in Madden? Oh, and do I get to shut off the the fumbles and the, you know? Well, that's the, why I want to get rid of whatever happens after that. That's off our hands. I mean, that's off our hands. As long as it gets off our hands, I'm good with that. I, I really don't. <laughs> I really don't think Martin that, that Sean Payton's going to Dallas. I really don't. Oh, he's going. Oh, he definitely is. I'm, I'm convinced of it. I don't I feel like I don't feel like investing the, uh, forty million in. I don't feel like investing Wait, forty million. I don't feel like investing in forty million into the most replaceable position in the league. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you on that. Unfortunately, we're doing it, and uh, or and you're already doing it with. Bit. You're already doing it with about sixteen million with Camara. Adding in Zeke, it's another 16, 17, 18 million. So it's 34 by themselves. And then you got two, three other roster spots for that to fill. No. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> well, that's all right. But who now? My next question. I heard the name. Uh, is it Ronnie Brown? That, that, or who's that running back from um, Tampa Bay that I heard on the radio this morning that the Saints are possibly looking at getting the fuck back up? What's his name? Is it Ronnie Brown or something like that? Plays for uh, Tampa Bay. I'd be lying if I told you. Uh, come from you. He played US, uh, USC. Foot was talking about him this morning. That 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 he heard something about them possibly trading for him or something. I can't remember his name. But uh, who do you think is gonna be the Saints' uh, backup running back? Jesus Martin, I'll answer that call. I'll answer that in the second hour. We got to take a timeout, man. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all taking my call, and y'all, y'all take care, buddy. Hour number two after this here on the game. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of two on your Thursday. This is Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Cajuns football, one week down in fall camp, three weeks until that season opener against the Lions of Southeastern Louisiana. Let's talk about the latest in training camp. It's time for Cajuns Corner. Going deep downfield, he's got a receiver, it's caught! Touchdown, Louisiana! Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay Walker, it's been a while, man. How the hell are you? I'm just having the time of my life because I'm getting to talk to you. Well, I mean, I'm glad somebody else realizes it. (laughs) 
All right, Jay. Today marks a week since the teams reported for fall camp. You know, just kind of give me your thoughts on that first week and how things have gone. Well, I, I know that I know that that Mike likes what he's seen so far, um, and you know, I think the little soundbite that you guys played a minute ago kind of explains that because when you can go out and coach ball and you don't have to coach effort and and, and the intangibles. It makes your job a whole lot easier. And, you know, if there's one thing that I learned talking to guys at Media Day, talking to the coaches that I've talked to, the players that I've talked to, it's that this team's on the same page. And, you know, we saw it during the Napier era because he always talked about being a great teammate. But I think these guys have taken that to a new level this time around. And, you know, if you've – we saw it happen with the baseball team in the spring, Matt. If you got everybody on the same page, you're going to wind up playing better than your talent. And I think that's what we've seen so far in practice, and that's a very good sign. Now, you're, you're sitting here saying that everybody's on the same page, and I agree with you completely. How far in your mind, and I'm, I'm not asking this by saying that the team is not talented, but... You know, talent-wise, this team may have taken a dip from teams in years past. How far can, you know, playing together and being on the same page take this team? Well, you know, if you look at the schedule, and, and I do think that the schedule is kind to the Cajuns this year because they don't have App State on the schedule. They don't have Coastal Carolina uh, on the schedule. Um, you know, they don't have Georgia State on the schedule. I, I think the teams that are on the Cajun schedule, especially the teams in the West, are all going to be better this year. And I think while the Cajuns might have maybe a little bit more talent than the other teams, it's not a really wide gap like it's been the last couple of years. So I think that sometimes chemistry can help you win close ball games, And that is the thing that I'm going to be looking for this year is when these games are tight in the fourth quarter, can a team that's got it together as far as meshing as a unit, can they go ahead and get it done in, pardon the pun, crunch time? So um, that's kind of what I'm going to be looking for when the season starts. Best pun I've ever heard, Jay Walker. All right. The quarterback conversation has been you know, the, the talk of this program, especially this past week in fall camp. It's down to Ben Woolridge and Chandler Fields. Talk to me about each of these guys. What stands out to you about each one of them? And in your mind, who do you think has the upper hand? I don't know if anybody has the upper hand right now. If anybody does, nobody's talking about it. You know, I, I think both of these guys um, have got enough talent to, to lead this team. I'll go back to something, though, that happened during the summer. Um, you know, they, they split. They, they, they named 18 captains, eight, that um, it was their job to go ahead and draft teams to go through summer workouts. And, and you got, um, you know, extra points, you know, for doing the right thing on and off the field, and you got negative points if you didn't do the right thing off and on the field. And I found it interesting that the two quarterbacks were in the top five of the players selected. Woolridge went first. Last year when they did it, Chandler Fields went first. So, you know, I, I think 
that that the guys have the leadership qualities that are going to be necessary to be the starting quarterback because it's a little bit more, Matt, than you know who can throw the football the farthest. You know, I, leadership is going to play a part of that, and I I do think that the coaching staff loves these guys as leaders. It's interesting if you talk with them, talk with the other players. Some of them will talk about Chandler and his leadership qualities. Some of them want to talk about Ben and his leadership qualities. Man, this thing, you know, Mike says he's going to name a starter a week from this coming Monday on the 22nd. Um, and, And it may come down to the last day before he makes the announcement. Jay, wide receivers have been the the most impressive group, at least on paper, head, heading into to 2022. Des called them a bunch of puppies when when Tim Leger first got them, and now you know they're kind of the talk of this team with Michael Jefferson, John Stevens Jr., Errol Rogers, so on and so forth. Talk about that group and what fans can expect from this offense. Well, you know the interesting thing that 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 Des has come out with, and and Tim Leger's talked about it too, is the Cajuns under Levi Lewis, didn't utilize the, the mid-level passing game a whole lot, the, or what we'll call the intermediate routes. You know, they were either throwing balls to the outside for screens or they were going along down the field and they were hitting their share of them. But they, they weren't running, you know, that, that uh, 15 to 18 yard over the middle or, or – or wide out, uh, wide out plays that, that go to the sidelines. They didn't use that a whole lot with Levi. You're going to see them do that more with these guys because it's more in their skill set, I think. And, um, you know, Jefferson, it, it, people talk about him and with good reason. You know, Peter LeBlanc, people talk about him with good reason. But I, I, I'm just, I just got a feeling, Matt, a guy who can absolutely shine in this offense is Neil Johnson. I he could he can be another Peewee. Um, he he can he can go ahead and split out wide. He's hard to cover in space because he can run, but he's also a big guy who can be utilized at the tight end spot. I I just think that with this offense, it's really designed for Neil Johnson to shine. He's the guy we're not talking about, and we probably should be. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I really like the chances that Neil Johnson has to to step up and make an impact this season. Chatting with the longtime voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker. Jay, defensively, you know, you're replacing a lot. You lost Chauncey Manack. You lost Percy Butler, a couple other big pieces. Zion Hill's back in the middle, but, you know, in those holes, there's a lot of guys that are stepping up that are well-known. You know, Chris Moncrief and Cam Podesclo and, and a couple others. You know, is that one of the benefits to the way Billy Napier ran things over the last couple of years where you played a bunch of guys early on? Well, you know, Tim Leja used to say it last year when they were when he was talking about all of the talent he had at wide receiver. And he said, Hey, if you're good enough, you're gonna play. It doesn't matter if you're one guy, five guys, 12 guys. If you're good enough, you're going to play. And I think that the, the position coaches for the Cajuns really kind of had that attitude. And as a result, this team's developed really good depth. Now the depth is going to be challenged at a couple of key positions. The offensive line we know about, and the other one is going to be at linebacker. 
you know, you're, you're going to have Moncrief and Quibido that are going to start uh, on the inside, and you're going to have, you know, you got your first 11 guys defensively are going to be fine. Now, you've got great depth in the secondary and great depth on the D-line. The question is the depth at linebacker. And you're going to have to have a couple of guys who haven't played a whole lot step up and be able to make plays. And, you know, I'm thinking about a guy like Casey Osai. Uh, you know, uh, Tyler Gidry played, um, played some last year, but he's going to have to play a lot more this year. Uh, you know, just guys who have kind of been waiting their turn and waiting for the coaches to say, okay, next man up. Well, they're the next man up now, but they have to prove that they can do it on the field. And, you know, the, the depth at linebacker is a question mark. I don't see depth being a problem at the other positions on the defense. Now, Jay, looking at special teams, there's a lot of depth at kicker and punter, and I'm hearing rumors about Thomas Leo going to be handling the kickoffs. Can you talk about Luke Pascal and the job that he's done thus far? Well, you know, you've got you do have some depth, and the one thing that that we saw, I think, when when Almondaris was healthy, um, second half of the season two years ago, and then the first half this past year, is he's not the best kickoff guy in the world. Um, so, so it, somebody else probably is going to handle that. If it happens to be Leo, that's fine. If it happens to be Klotz, that's fine. Um, but we do know who the punter and the kicker are. You know, uh, we know that Reese Burns is one of the best punters in the country. And, and you know, Mike has made it pretty clear that Almondaris is healthy and Almondaris is the guy. Um, so, you know, I guess the only and, – and we know that Chris Smith's going to run back kickoffs. We know that Garrett's going to run back punts. So, you know, the big question on special teams, and I think there are two. Number one, who kicks off? And secondly – you know, you, you, your gunners, your, your other guys that play special teams that are responsible for kick coverage, you lose a T.J. Wisham, you lose a Percy Butler, you, you lose some really, really good talent there, and they're going to have to have some guys step up because one of the things that teams weren't able to do last year against the Cajuns was have success returning kicks and returning punts. And, and, the Cajun, and that's such a big part of special teams that we don't talk about enough because we're too busy uh, wondering what the the field goal percentage is and, and how far a guy is punting it, uh, but the but kick coverage is really really important, and you're going to have to have some new guys step up and be ready to go on special teams. It's interesting to note that in the past, under Billy Napier, you only used defensive guys for the most part on special teams, with a couple of exceptions. Well, this is open now to offensive players as well. So I'm going to be interested to see exactly who they put out there. I've also heard that there's a competition at long snapper. You heard anything about that? What's the latest on, on the long snapping position? I, I, I have not heard. I'm sure you are going to have competition there. Look, I think competition's a good thing. You know, I want there to be competition. I want there to be competition at every position. I want there to be a couple of running backs that, that are able to say, look, you want to know who the guy is going to be along with Chris Smith? Well, it's me. And let me go show you. I'm going to show you every day in practice. And then you got another guy standing next to him saying, no, it's not going to be you. It's going to be me. Look, I'm going to show you. I love competition. I I don't ever want to get to the point where you don't have competition at positions. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about running backs behind Chris Smith, I mean, you you got a lot of guys that maybe you haven't heard of, but going to make an impact. I mean, Jacob Cabote, you know, um, Draylon Washington, Terrence Williams, Michael Orphy Jr., 
You know, it might not be a Elijah Mitchell or a Trey Regis, but that's still a pretty stacked running back room. Well, we didn't know who Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis were until we saw him play. Um, you know, you 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 would find out and can't. Well, gee, you know, I kind of like this guy. We'll see what he can do. And then all of a sudden, you know, I keep going back to 2005. Man, you know, you had a you had a running back that was um, highly recruited and highly touted and he came in and he was going to be the guy. And then all of a sudden, this guy named Fenroy wound up taking the job, and he was a thousand yard rusher four years in a row. So, you know, there's talent in the running back room. I think everybody understands that there's talent there. You just got to have two guys that kind of separate themselves from the rest a little bit. And, and then you got to go ahead and, and give them some carries to see what they can do. And don't throw the baby out with the bathwater if, if, if they have one game where they don't do so well. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I like that. All right, Jay, one more for you. You know, looking, looking at the conference as a whole, the Sun Belt appears to be probably the most competitive it's been in a few years, especially on the western side. You, you bring in Marshall to the east. Troy comes over to the west. You bring in Southern Miss. South Alabama's much improved. Arkansas State might have been 2-10 and 10 last year, but they did have the number one recruiting class in the conference. Do you see anybody in the West giving the Cajuns a run this year? Yeah, I think everybody can give the Cajuns a run this year. I, I just think that, and, and I made this comment, gosh, to somebody, I, that, I think it might have been Hattiesburg Radio that I talked to this week. Last year in the West, there was a huge disparity in talent between the Cajuns and everybody else. I think everybody in the West, Troy, South Alabama, Southern Miss, Arkansas State, Texas State, I think all of them have improved their talent from a year ago. I don't know that the Cajuns are as talented as they were a year ago because of the fact that they lost some really, really good seniors, plus you had a half a dozen guys portal out. So, the Cajuns, from a talent standpoint, while they still may be the most talented team in the West, it's a lot closer from a talent standpoint. So I honestly think that every conference game for the Cajuns this year is going to be a war. Uh, you know, they, they were able to get away with, um, you know, playing ULM to a one-score game and Arkansas State to a one-score game and South Alabama to a one-score game. They're going to have to be better in those games this year because otherwise the team's going to jump up and bite them. I like Troy. I, I, I think Troy, with a new coach, had, they had plenty of talent. Carlton Marshall is, is a one-man wrecking crew defensively. Um, I, I think Troy, if I had to pick one team to be the biggest challenge for the Cajuns in the West, it would be the Trojans. Yeah. And, and, oh, by, and oh, by the way, that game is being played – on my birthday. So um, people who come in from Troy need to bring me presents. <laughs> Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, joining us for Cajuns Corner. Jay, appreciate you as always, and uh, we'll do it again next week, my friend. Thanks a lot, man. Go Cajuns. Tune in next week for another edition of Cajuns Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 11th, 1919. The Green Bay Packers Football Club is officially founded by George Calhoun and Curly Lambeau. The club is named after sponsor 
the Indian Packing Company. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. The game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great prizes is by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse. It's 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. It's crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. 23 minutes after the hour. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, did you catch what I what I was doing there? I started one live read and then realized that that was the one that had just played in the promo, and so I I went to the a different one. Yeah, you you definitely you caught my ear with that one. And I I, I tried to play it off, but I don't think I did very well. Um, no, especially after you just explained it. Well, anyways, <laughs> I'm not good at keeping secrets. Anyways, Michael Desermo spoke with the media yesterday. And he detailed the the plan for Saturday's scrimmage. Uh, we'll tweak it a little bit. You know, I think sometimes some of those scrimmages would kind of get maybe a little bit long. So we're going to kind of some of the stuff that we that we've done in the first scrimmage, we're going to push to the second one. Um, some of the you know some of the field zones that we work that are not as prominent don't show up as much. But I mean, it'll it'll be very similar. You know, I think you got to especially the first one. I think you got to strap it up and you got to go for a while and you got to let some of these guys go. Got to let them get tired, push when they're tired, and you got to get enough snaps to get competitive reps and get scrimmage reps on tape as well. So, you know, it'll be the first one will be longer than the second one. You know, we're going to do some things, you know, a little bit differently situation wise. Does also spend some time talking about one of the anchors up front on offense, and that is longtime Cajun Carlos Rubio. He looks great. He's. He, he's one of, you know, he's probably the leader on the O-line right now. You know, he's got a lot of experience. He's comfortable being vocal with that group, and he's done a really good job with them. But he, he looks great right now. He's done a phenomenal job. You know, the athleticism and stuff, you could never tell that he came off of an injury. Um, but, you know, we, we took it slow this spring, and we got him. I think the good thing is we got him where he was full go at the beginning of summer. So he, could condi- he can condition and get back into shape. And be ready to play, um, but yeah, no, he's Carlos has done a, a phenomenal job for us. Um, you know, really excited about having him back for sure as a guy that was a starter last year and back in the mix. And also, again, we talked about it with Jay Walker last segment. Running backs has been a huge topic of conversation so far in camp. So Des filled us in on the growth and progress of that running back group. Yeah, you know, I, I do. I, I think it is important, you know, when and we, we practice tough, you know, we thud and we do all those things. But, you know, when you're going all the way to the ground, a lot of fumbles happen, not on contact, but as they're going to the ground, you get loose with the ball and things like that. So, you know, obviously at running back, most important things take care of it. That group has been really good. You know, Chris Smith um, looks great coming back from the spring where he was limited. You know, I think Kabote has been really, really good this spring. Um, I think Terrence Williams has been really consistent and, and really solid. I think Dre started slow the first couple of days and has started to come on, which is great. Zylan Perry is going to be a really good player. He's behind some older guys that have played that are good and obviously switching positions. It's going to take him a little while. But, 
you know, you see him do the things that you really want to see. He's made the transition to running back. He's really done a good job with that. You know, and then, you know, Orphy has been banged up a little bit the last couple of days, so he's been pretty limited. Nothing significant, but he's been limited a little bit. You know, and then Chaz Ward is, is a newcomer on the team that he transferred in. He's done a, he's done a pretty solid job, but Cabote and Terrence have been really good so far, um, and Dre has come on. You know, yesterday I thought was probably his best day, which is good. You know, you want him to start peaking now. Louisiana Raging Cajuns will have a scrimmage on Saturday at Cajun Field. Scrimmage number one of fall camp before their season opener on September the 3rd against Southeastern. They'll also have a scrimmage on August 20th, I believe. All right, James, let's go to the New Orleans Saints now, and this is where you get to shine. You pick... The Dennis Allen audio. Well, looking at it, Dennis Allen had talked earlier with the media yesterday, and it talked about how Bradley Roby, he initially wasn't playing a lot, but that's because he didn't know the system, but he's really shined in camp. Yeah, he's more confident in what we're asking him to do. You, you see a more confident player out there on the field. You know, he's, he's, he's fully healthy. He's had a full season and an off-season to understand what we're doing defensively. He knows the, the, the techniques that we're asking him to use. He knows what the terminology is. And so now he's able to just really go out there and play football. It's not a much, as much about thinking and trying to process, you know, what I do on this particular call. He's more out there just going, going along and, and playing the game and letting his athletic ability take over. So I, I, like, I like where he's, where he's at. And then Coach Dennis Allen had talked about and gave the reasons why they brought the red rifle, Andy Dalton, in. One of the big reasons why we brought Andy here is, uh, you know, we wanted to bring a guy in that we felt like was an accomplished veteran player that's been a starter in our league, but also has been the backup in this league and had to come in in a backup's role and have success. And so... He was a guy that we identified, and luckily we were able to get him here. And I think he's been great for you know the quarterback room. He comes out here and competes every day. He had a really nice day today, and so I think he's been a good addition. And looking at Marcus May, one of the new additions for the defense, he also had touched on Andy Dalton. And while James has been gone, he talked about Andy, how Andy Dalton has been challenging the defense. Uh, no, it's been great. I mean, he's been challenging us. He's been fitting the ball in the tight windows, you know, situational football. He's been doing a great job. So, you know, just having him uh, step in for Jameis, you know, we, we expect great things out of that room no matter what. And one last clip. It's going to be Andy Dalton himself. And he talked about what Mike Thomas – he talked about what makes Mike Thomas just so special as a wide receiver. Yeah, I think, one, you can, you can read when he's going to get in and out of breaks. And he's got to put it around him. He's so physical with everything that he does. And so when the ball's in the air, he just finds ways to go up and, and just make the play. So, yeah, I think that's the best thing. And you can feel him getting more comfortable as the, the weeks have gone on. And so it's uh, – yeah, he's, he's really, really good. James Mesh, ladies and gentlemen. The Arneville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a black pot cook-off Saturday, September 10th. Cooking begins at 8, eating begins at noon, and it's at the Flower Auditorium in Arneville. Plenty of live music as well, including Gerald Grunick and Gentilly Zydeco, Dustin Saunier, and Sweet Cecilia. For more information, visit www.arnevillefire.org. Take a time out when we return. JT Crabtree 
He's going to step off the elevator in Mobile. And he will talk about the South Alabama Jaguars before they make the trip to Lafayette on October the 1st. You're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back in the Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 35 minutes after the hour. We talked about the Raging Cajuns with the longtime voice, Mr. Jay Walker. Now it's time to talk about one of their opponents for this season in the South Alabama Jaguars, a Sunbelt West division foe. Mr. JT Crabtree, the wrong, the longtime voice of the Jags. Now, JT's not a foe, but the school that he works for is. JT, what's going on, bud? How are you? I'm glad you stipulated, man. I was like, what am I doing on here if I'm a foe? Come on. No, man, you're, you're <laughs> not mean, a guys, Glad you have me on. You're, you're definitely a fan of the program. It's fine. So, <laughs> you know, going into year two under Kane Womack, just kind of talk about you know, thoughts on year one? What's the expectation for year two? Yeah, year one was good from a, just a first-year standpoint, finishing five and seven. But you kind of look back in retrospect, and it's like, man, you know, we really legitimately could have won probably eight, maybe even nine ball games last year. Uh, you look at the game against the Cajuns, where – Back and forth down the stretch, had an opportunity with a couple of field goals and, you know, elected not to kick a field goal inside the red zone to take the lead. Then when we did, we missed it. Um, Then the game against Coastal at the end of the year, probably should have won that game. Uh, Four overtime loss at Texas State. I mean, there's three of them right there. So a little disappointing in that respect, but uh, we're headed – quickly, I think, in the right direction. Uh, Kane Womack's done a really good job of resetting the culture, uh, really putting a lot of emphasis on the city of Mobile and making, you know, making sure everyone knows that you'll see it a lot on social media, hashtag our city. Mobile is our city because we are Mobile's team. We are the local team. We're trying to get everybody to buy into it. And, you know, we'll... You, Louisiana has the same issues, I'm sure, with LSU being right down the road. We're always going to be little brother to Alabama and Auburn over here. So we're trying to just plant our roots, plant the flag as strong as we can in Mobile. Um, that's been the, the big thing. It brought in a lot of talent in the offseason, a lot of transfers, a lot of Power 5 guys. Uh, so far through almost a full week of camp, they've looked really good. Um, overall, bigger, faster team. Uh, the emphasis today, today was actually the first full day in pads. The emphasis today was really just physicality, and the team looks a lot more physical than it did last year. So I think things are quickly headed in the right direction. The, the schedule's a little tough at the, the start of it, but um, we'll see. I really do think that we're, uh, we're quickly going to be in a, 
full contention uh, before too long. Talk about the quarterback battle. You know, Desmond Trotter is a guy that's been around, knows the program. You bring in a Toledo transfer and Carter Bradley, who has seemed to really impress. You know, just kind of talk about that battle and who you see maybe having a leg up at this point. That is the talk of camp right now, is who is going to be the quarterback. Um, Like you said, Des has been around for a while. He's had some success. Uh, We saw him last year step in when Jake Bentley got hurt. He did okay. Uh, but really, like his skill set does not necessarily fit what Major Applewhite typically likes to do offensively. Uh, Dez is very athletic. He's very good at decision-making, oftentimes to a fault, where he won't risk going for a deep ball because he doesn't think he can get the ball to the guy. And it kind of frustrates the coaches sometimes where they'll say, you know, Throw it out there and let that guy try and make a play for you. It doesn't all have to be on you. Uh, that's where Desmond kind of sits right now. He and Carter Bradley have split the reps with the first team almost entirely through camp so far, except for today, where Carter Bradley took almost all the reps with the ones. And really the rave reports with him in the spring when he came in from Toledo were, man, this kid's arm talent is just off the charts. Um, you know, Decision-making, pretty solid. He's not very mobile. Uh, he's, he reminds me a lot of Jake Bentley, where although Bentley could move around a little bit better than, than uh, Carter Bradley, but I think the arm is better on Bradley. Uh, he's been really impressive. He can hit guys and stride 40 yards down the field on a line. He even uh, He's mixed in a little bit of uh, Patrick Mahomes slinging in their sidearm in the red zone if he's got to a couple of times, too. He's... He's looked really impressive. I think right now, Carter Bradley has the leg up on Desmond. Uh, Kane Womack has said multiple times he wants to name a starter sooner rather than later. Uh, their first scrimmage is coming up this weekend, so I would not be surprised if Coach names a starter sometime early next week. Now, in terms of skill players, you know, at running back, you got a guy like Terion Avery, and then at wide receiver. You know, at one point there were three Jalen's on the roster. Now you're just down to Jalen Wayne. You know, talk about talk about that skill player position and, and who really stands out at both running back and wide receiver. Well, let's start at running back because there's five guys you could legitimately see getting consistent carries out of the backfield. Terry on Avery, like you mentioned, he's the holdover. He's the main returner from last year. Is our leading rusher last season. He's done a a good job in camp. He's got a lot of reps the ones. Uh, Ladanian Webb was a JUCO guy they brought in during the spring. He was hurt most of the spring. Uh, JUCO kid transferred in, originally uh, played at Florida State. Uh, he's got the skills. He's, he's really – he looks like a Division One running back. He's got the skills. He's got the, the speed, physicality. He does it all. He's still a little banged up. He's been in a uh, – non-contact jersey all through camp so far, but he should be good to go week one. And then you look at the other guys that they've brought in, too, in the transfer portal with Marco Lee, a guy from Virginia Tech. He's listed at 5'9", almost 230, I believe. He looks like he could be 240. He's a monster, and he's not kind of like the, the bowling ball body type you'd think with those measurements, but the dude's built like a tank. He, he is a physical running back, loves the physicality. He's been really good. So far in camp, uh, Omni Wells is another Power Five transfer. He's from Mississippi State, 
Uh, he he has looked really impressive. He and Terion Avery have seen the most reps with the one so far. He's been really, really impressive at the running back position. Um, at wide out, you mentioned that Jalen Wayne, he's been here for so long, guys. And he, he's got kind of a weird story where he got here as really an athlete. Uh, they didn't know where to put him, so they put him at tight end to start it. Then some injuries happened. You moved him to running back for a little while. And then there were some other guys playing ahead of him. They said, well, we need to get this guy on the field. Let's move him to safety. And he didn't really like safety all that much, so he's finally settled in at wide receiver. And it's finally his time. You mentioned that Jalen Tolbert last year was the guy. And look at him now, third-round pick to the Cowboys. And on the initial depth chart, he's going to be starting with the Cowboys. It's now Jalen Wayne's turn. And he's looked good. In practice, he's looked good in camp. He's talking a little bit more. He's shown some more leadership, which he hasn't in the past. Um, he's not the same guy as Jalen Tolbert, but he's still very athletic. Doesn't have necessarily as much speed as Tolbert did either, but he's a physical guy. He's not afraid to make a catch across the middle, take some contact. He's going to be the main guy at wide receiver. The tight ends, too, are going to be a big feature this year as well with uh, DJ Thomas Jones, the transfer from Ole Miss. He's going to be spotlighted a lot at tight end. You, you'll see him slide out and move into the slot as a receiver sometimes, too. And Lincoln Sessick returns from a good season last year. There's a lot of skill guys this year. I think overall, offensively, there's more talent this year than we had last year. Looking in the trenches, especially from the offensive line, I mean, a lot of size and a lot of transfers. You bring in Antarius Gray from North Texas, 6'3", 317. Dante Lucas comes from Florida State, 6'4", 322. Antoine Lewis from Louisiana Tech, 6'3", 330. I mean, just hogs up front. Whoever's playing quarterback is going to be well-protected and mobile. And that was the big issue last year, too, was that Bentley had as good of a year as he had in spite of a not very good offensive line, it was decimated with injuries. And you, you, you look at a guy, too, James Robinson, 6'4", 345. That's down from the 360 he was when he arrived this summer. He's a monstrous dude. Uh, Dante Lucas has been really good. You mentioned him from Florida State. P.J. Mixon's a Jacksonville State guy who started up there as well. He's transferred in, and he's worked a lot with the ones. There's finally some depth there where if someone gets hurt, you're not completely decimated like they were last season. Uh, a guy like Trey Simpson, for example, last year, he was one of our primary guys, but then he got hurt and there wasn't a whole lot behind him. Now Trey Simpson, who's recovering from a, a spring season injury, he might not be playing that much this year just because of all those guys that they've brought in. They really, really focused on building some depth on the offensive line to help out Carter Bradley or Desmond Trotter, whoever it is, but really, too, to establish a running game. We were really one-dimensional last year with our passing game. Couldn't do a whole lot on the ground. The offensive line should be able to facilitate that this year. Defensively, Wayne Gallman and, and Daryl Luter Jr. are two of the big names back. Who else has impressed you know so far through fall camp? They've brought in some guys back there, too. But I'm going to start just at a position group with the defensive line. It is monstrous, guys. It's, it's so good. There's, without a doubt, uh, a legitimate two deep 
at every defensive line position, and most of them, there's legitimately three deep. And you could rotate three guys out there and start them in the game, and you wouldn't really lose anything. They've done a tremendous job of really bolstering some depth at the defensive line. They love to, to bring some blitz packages, some edge rushers. They've added some more depth there. They want to bring some more pressure this year, too. Uh, but they hit the portal hard. Again, uh, went after some Indiana guys that Kane Womack knew from his time up there as defensive coordinator. Uh, in the middle, James Miller at linebacker has been unbelievable so far through camp. Just really veteran mindset. He played a bit at Indiana, but really it's a very, very quality get to have him transfer down here. Jalen Jordan has transferred in from Ole Miss as well as uh, at one of the other corner positions as well. Jamar Richardson, those are two guys that will most likely start week one. Jalen Jordan definitely will at one of the safety positions. They've all looked good, and there's a lot of depth at defensive back, too, even with uh, Marquise Robinson, who's a JUCO guy. You mix him in there. He's looked good. You mentioned Darrell Luter. He's been preseason All-American by some publications. And then you mix in a freshman, Ricky Fletcher, who had solid offers and was being heavily recruited by Mississippi State on signing day. The Jags held on to him. He's run with the ones a couple of times so far through camp. He does not look like a true freshman, but he is in class. Uh, there, there's just depth all around. And, you know, the Swarm D is kind of Kane Womack's uh, big big thing that got him his name here with us the first go-around as defensive coordinator, but really up at Indiana. Having so much depth really facilitates that. JT Crabtree, the voice of the Jags, joining us here. JT, I got one more for you. Looking at the schedule, you guys open up with Nichols on September 3rd before going up to Mount Pleasant, Michigan to take on the Chippewas. And then probably the trip that you're looking forward to the most. You get to go out to L.A. and, and play UCLA. You know, Just kind of talk about this schedule and where do you see it kind of favoring the Jags. No, what are you talking about? Why well, would I be excited about going to Los Angeles the day early and get to play a game in a Rose Bowl? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, we're, we're, we can't wait. Uh, that's been one that's circled on the future schedule for a long time for us going up to UCLA. But Nichols is – you guys know – Nichols is a tough team. Tim Rebo has done a really good job with that program. Um, in program history, we've played the Colonels three other times. The last two have been decided by three points or less, uh, including a wild 42-40 game in 2016 that required overtime uh, and a goal line stand where we had to get a stop, and we did to beat the Colonels. It, that was a wild wild game back in 2016 so we're definitely not going to overlook Nichols when they come to town on September 3rd and then you go up to like you said to Mount Pleasant that's a long way up there to play a pretty darn good Central Michigan team Jim McElwain's done a really good job with that program they return a lot of guys uh Lou Nichols at running back I think rushed for something like 1600 yards last year and he's back uh, so that'll be interesting to see how that matches up with what should be our very stout defense and then going out to UCLA, we're playing the, the early kick, 11 a.m. Pacific time, out of the Rose Bowl against UCLA that week. So we're actually going out on Thursday, and then Friday having a, quote, acclimation day uh, for the radio guys that go see all the sights and go have some fun. <laughs> and we'll mix a little bit of football in there as well. But we're looking forward to it. Um, Kane has, has mentioned that, you know, 
they're going to take the guys out and see some sights because for a lot of those guys, they'll never go back out to Los Angeles. They might never even go out to California again. And so in his playing days at, at Arkansas, Kane had mentioned that, you know, we went out to Los Angeles for a game, and that was really kind of a, a core memory, if you will, from his playing days. He remembered how much fun that was. And he said, I want to make sure that I can provide that memory for my guys too. So we're going to go out there on Thursday, have all day Friday, do the walkthrough and do some, some touristy things and whatnot, and then we'll play on Saturday morning against UCLA. And then we turn around, come home, and face a tough La Tech team before going to see the Raging Cajuns. It's a tough five-game stretch to start it, especially with the back-to-back long trips. JT Crabtree, the voice of the Jags, do me a favor, don't go big time when, when you go out west, okay? <laughs> Come on, man, I'm not big time. <laughs> JT, appreciate you, know, you as I, always, if man. Just, if I can get some in and out, I'm good. Oh, you you are not lying. Dude, looking, looking forward to seeing you here in Cajun country in a couple weeks. Be well, my friend. Appreciate it, man. I'll talk to you all soon. There he goes, JT Crabtree, the voice of the South Alabama Jags. Let's take a time out wrap up today's show on the other side. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Poll question of the day, favorite field of dreams quote. So far, 20% of you say if you build it, they will come. 60% say, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. 10% say, you want to have a catch? Ton chimes in, says, we told him to stick it. James, preseason football tonight. What you looking forward to? I'm intrigued to see how Malik Willis plays. Yeah, right? That That's a big storyline tonight. What, what, what kind of Malik Willis are we going to see? Could he be the future of the Tennessee Titans? Big thanks to Jay Walker as well as JT Crabtree for joining us today here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on a Friday fun show. It's Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.